0: This is the Swapcast for Swap USA, where we say words that are worth hearing.
1: No, I think in that case, it, it, it's generally useful to define what sex work is. I think a lot of people don't necessarily understand that, and I think that's a big part of the problem. Um, so, sex work is essentially exchanging uh, some sort of sexual labor, or uh, you know, for money for sometimes a place to stay for sometimes, you know, other resources in a sort of barter system. But really, um, I think a lot of people, when they think of sex workers, they assume like street-based sex workers. So like people who are homeless and working on the street. And of course those are sex workers, but so are people who work in strip clubs. So are uh, professional doms who don't even have sex with their clients. They just, uh, you know, get paid to like tie people up and spank them and things like that. Um, you know, so our high-end escorts, uh, sugar babies, um, erotic models, you know, the, what do they call them, the cam girls, right? So like only fans, people who sell clips, people who do porn, all those are different um, forms of sex work. So all those people are actually considered sex workers. So knowing who you're talking about can be helpful. Mm-hmm. And with that, there's a lot of stereotype that only sex workers are women and all clients are men. Most sex workers are women or people who are, you know, designated female at birth, but there's a lot of men who do sex work, too. There's a lot of men who do gay sex work or queer men who do sex work. Ooh, there's a lot of trans people who do sex work um, and non-binary people who do sex work. So, really, sex workers themselves are also across um, the gender spectrum. So,
0: And then, like, something that is not sex work and where, like, let's say you're the person that you like, I want to argue in favor of this here. Um, you're going to run into sort of stuff that It's going to come at you from both angles, bad faith and ignorance. Yes. (laughs) And that's frustrating, and be ready for that. Like, uh, someone's going to be like, um, well, what about the woman that had sex with uh, CEOs and whatnot to go up the chain? It's like... Okay, well, that's not women sleeping to the top. That's men withholding promotions for sexual favors.
1: Right, exactly. Right? And that's not
0: sex work. That's workplace exploitation. Exactly.
1: And that is different than sex work, um, which is a big thing, too. Like, a lot of people will say the phrase, like, um, non consensual sex work. And it's mm. like, no, hon, um, that's trafficking.
0: Yeah. <laughs> that's
1: not sex work. That's trafficking, you know. Um, In very much the same way that if someone was uh, being exploited, um, for example, like domestic labor, that's a huge field where there's a lot of human trafficking, agriculture, a lot of human trafficking, you know, but like, for example, if someone is, um, you know, carried from, you know, Mexico or South America to the United States and basically forced to work in a field and, you know, pick fruits and vegetables all day, we don't call them a non-consensual farm laborer. We call them a victim of trafficking. (laughs) Like... You know, and so there's um a lot of I ta- I don't even know how I got on that tangent, but yeah, well because um, <laughs> non
0: consensual uh prison <laughs> labor. Ex-
1: exactly, right? Like, oh, you're a non-consensual worker in the prison industrial complex. What the fuck? <laughs> like, you know, oh, I said I said I wasn't gonna curse. Here we go. All um, right, we're
0: professionals. We
1: are professionals. But you know, that sort of is a big thing about uh oh right, because you were talking about um propaganda versus ignorance and things like that, and a lot of people genuinely do have good intentions, but they are very ignorant and not ignorant as in they lack, you know, mental faculties or anything like that, but strictly in the sense that they don't know because a lot of people haven't actually sat down to talk to sex workers. They haven't read literature about sex workers. Everything they're hearing for the most part is coming from either the government or it's coming from um, organizations that are anti-trafficking, but a lot of those tend to be very conservative, very right-wing and oftentimes um, religious-based organizations. And so their perception is that sex itself outside of marriage is immoral. And so it doesn't matter um, what the conditions are for sex workers. Sex work will always be wrong. And so they uh, put out a lot of misinformation. A lot of people buy into it. And so that leaves us with a lot of very common myths. Like, for example, the idea that almost all sex workers are being trafficked. And it's like that's not the case at all. You know, and that's what leads to terms like consensual sex work. And it's like, no, if someone's being trafficked, you can say that they're being trafficked. But um, most people who are in the sex work industry are not being trafficked. Most people do not have pimps. But then we also look at the flip side of that. If we start really talking about that in a serious way, then all of a sudden it's harder to justify police budgets. It's harder to justify all these anti-trafficking organizations that are getting literally millions upon millions of dollars from the federal government to combat trafficking because there isn't as much trafficking as they say there is. And so, like, that's a big thing, too. And then it also leads to essentially, I would say, sort of othering sex workers in a way, because now that uh, the idea that almost everyone who's in the sex industry is a trafficking victim is out there, anytime you see someone who says they're a sex worker, a lot of people feel it's safe to assume you're trafficked and you're not actually speaking of your own free will, or that you're not actually running your own social media. I see that one all the time, Well, people be like, well, this person says there's a sex worker and they like their job. This account is clearly run by a pimp. It's like, no, (laughs) it's run by the person who's actually tweeting. Um, So I see that uh, a lot, and it really um it makes the conversation very convoluted because a lot of people don't know what's going on and they don't know where to turn for actual resources they don't know where to turn for truthful accounts and truthful histories and stories about sex workers and so it really does just feed all these very um relatively terrifying but vague assertions from you know police and right-wing outlets of like oh you know every minute 5,000 children get trafficked or whatever they're saying like a common one is a the average age of entry into prostitution is 13 years old That study has been debunked so many times over, but police still use it, you know. And obviously, if you hear that, 13, that's so young. That's going to cause you to have a very negative uh, emotional reaction when you're hearing about sex work. And it's intentionally designed propaganda to do that. But that's not an actual um, fact, right? So the study where this was done, where the average age was 13, was specifically a study where the oldest person in the study was 17.
0: Yeah, where you got to... Like, it it can be uncomfortable if folks don't like to do this in this culture, but just imagine that the well-put-together, well-dressed, smiling, responsible person that pulled up in a nice car and has all their their briefcase together might be lying. (sighs) Yeah, exactly. They might be acting in bad faith. They might be intending to deceive, but goddamn, the packaging around the message was nice, wasn't it? Mm
1: Mm-hmm. And I'm hoping that we can start to break down more barriers around that as well. Um, the further we go into, like, the current state of affairs, we're seeing it now with people really pushing back um, along, like, police and um, journalists, you know, how they report things, right? So, like, a big uh, story, you know, I don't know exactly how many folks have seen it, but a lot of folks in my circles have seen it, right? Was um, was it, like, Walgreens and uh, who's the other one? Right, I think it was Rite Aid.
0: Right, with the stealing? Yeah. Right, Walgreens. I think it was Walgreens and Rite Aid. Not Target. No. I know there's another one recently Walmart's in the Walmart's the new
1: one. Walmart's doing it now. Yeah, like,
0: out Walmart? Yeah. It was, okay, I thought.
1: Oh. Yeah, Walmart. Yeah, they, they just put one out a couple days ago saying it. But, um, so, you know, like, we were seeing, like, you know, oh, CVS. CVS hmm. and Walgreens, that's who it was. Um, so, you know, we're seeing, like, CVS and Walgreens saying that they're going to have to start closing stores because of shoplifting, and so that makes everyone panic, and now we have to put, <laughs> like, toothpaste behind a thing, and you have to call someone to get, you know, toothpaste out, and deodorant, and body wash, and things like that. And then, you know, come to find out that those stores were already slated to close because they overexpanded too quickly and weren't making enough of a profit. It had nothing to do with shoplifting. But the way the media narrative came out, people really thought it was because of shoplifting. And then when the CEO came out and said, maybe we cried too much about that, it made people sort of pause and take notice. Maybe we weren't getting accurate information. It's the same thing when we, you know, right now we're we're watching a a, a case unfold as we are every week, watching a case unfold in real time of police brutality, right? Police say, oh, this black man was scaring me. I was in fear for my life. And then the footage, the body camera footage gets released and you're like, that's not what happened, right? And so I think that that those sort of things are helping a little bit in the argument of showing that maybe everything you hear across the media isn't as nuanced as it should be. It's not as factually accurate as it should be. And so, um, you know, in that way, it's getting people a little bit more comfortable with listening to sex workers. But there's still a really long way to go on that. People are very uncomfortable just talking
0: to sex workers. Yeah, and and to a bit of, um, I, I think maybe we should add an additional word here, emotional media literacy. Yeah. For emotional media literacy, if you always agree with the outlets that you consume from the most then you're actually not getting facts because you don't agree with facts. Mm. You're getting opinions and you agree with opinions. Make sure you're getting facts. It's not fun, but I prefer to go to the AP first. I go to the Associated Press first Mm -hmm. because they're fucking boring. Yeah. (laughs) And they're boring on purpose. They don't have, uh, like, if they publish a story about Nancy Pelosi, they don't have a picture of her looking heroic or a picture of her looking stupid. Mm-hmm. You know, like, they don't have a picture. They just have AP and the headline and the author. Right. Right? And then, you know, other outlets similar to that. I understand going to ones to be entertained and to agree with. Okay? I, I'll, I'll even name names. I've gone to the Laura Flanders show. Mm-hmm. I agree with the Laura Flanders show. You know, I like the facts they present and what they say about them. Right. But I'm still going to go to, like, um, the bo- like, the New York Times... Is mostly boring. Mm-hmm. The sensational headline stuff. There's gonna be propaganda. Well, but like our articles, like the like all the information I got from there about the the yeah. uh, the blinding headlights yeah. on the big trucks and vans these days. Yeah, that's legit journalism. Well,
1: see, and I think that's also part of um, speaking of media literacy. Like with the New York Times in particular, is a lot of their actual articles, um, assuming they're not about like international politics, are usually quite good. Um, their international politics, eh, um, but really the biggest issue with them is their op-eds because it Um. has New York times in the title, but it's an op-ed. It's not a journalistic article. It's just someone's opinion about what should be. And oftentimes those opinions are very, um, right-wing conservative, um, because their opinions, they aren't fact-checked quite as rigorously, right? It's just someone's opinion. And so, but because it's on the New York times, it's still sort of taken as gospel by a lot of people, if that makes sense.
0: David Brooks. (laughs) So uh,
1: that's like a big problem with that as far as media literacy goes, you know.
0: Yeah, I have to hear David Brooks on PBS every week. They have to have the David Brooks segment where he just, just spews the thoughts that his brain manages to produce. That
1: his brain manages to
0: produce. This is Swapcast, we're not here to diss folks We're not here to diss, but we're here <laughs> but, to
1: educate Yeah. But yeah, no, media media literacy really does play a big part In how um, percep- so- social perception and social policy Is ultimately shaped regarding sex work Because if, if you are going into any sort of policy decision Genuinely thinking that like 90% of sex workers are being trafficked by pimps
0: yeah. You're
1: going to come down on the side of anti-trafficking measures More so than you're going to come down on the side of pro-sex worker measures Just continuing on some basic things as we talk about media literacy and how to talk to sex workers, how to address sex workers. Um, One of the things that I find to be very difficult online when talking about sex work is the way people automatically respond to you. Um, It's usually very, very negative, but undeservedly so. Uh, A lot of people will ask very bold questions that they would not ask to somebody who worked in another profession, you know, even if there are some overlaps with other professions. You know, like, for example, like... Um, you know, you could be like a, uh, like a model, right? like Victoria's Secret doing lingerie. But a lot of people, their first question to you will not be, "So how many men have seen you naked before?" Because there is an implication, someone's seen you naked during photo shoots, right?
0: Yeah, it's because they go they go backstage and they change costumes and yeah, the whole business. Exactly.
1: So, like, someone's probably seen them naked, but like, but yeah, if someone were to say, "Oh, I'm a Victoria's Secret model," the first question usually isn't how many people have seen you naked. But then you tell someone like, "Oh, I'm a sex worker. Or, oh, I have an OnlyFans," and the first question is, "So, how many men have you fucked?" <laughs> it's like, wait, what? Why? Why do you need to know that?
0: Right. Because when it's a different penis, it causes the <laughs> vagina to lose elasticity and husbands don't like that, patriarchy. Patriarchy. The husband stitch, you say?
1: Um, yeah.
0: Yeah, it it comes from not being a virgin. Right. See? Ugh.
1: Um, Yeah, and so you know, that level of disrespect makes it very difficult for sex workers to be able to trust people, but in doing so that also means you never really have a good grasp on what's happening in sex worker communities because you're just simply not going to be allowed in. But it really does lead to a larger question of why do you care? why do you need to know like uh you know how many people someone has had sex with or how many times they've been seen naked or how many movies they've done or how many clients they've had how is that relevant to anything regarding sex worker rights because now we're in this weird place where we talk about sex workers right sex workers are talking about um lessening stigma in society right um not judging sex workers as being um you know morally corrupt or some sort of bad people we want sex workers to be able to have uh, safe work safer working places we want sex workers to be able to you know essentially do things that regular people do right so not have child services called on you because you work in a strip club this means um not being denied a place to rent because you have an only fans or you've done porn, you know, this means um, not being denied because you have maybe a past prostitution misdemeanor arrest or a loitering arrest on your record, things like that. But when your first question is how many men have you fucked or what's the freakiest thing a client has asked you for, you're not helping us get to that part because what you're implying with those type of questions is that it is okay to basically treat sex workers sort of like circus animals. where you are just allowed to point and stare and gawk and ask really weird invasive questions. And that leads to the stigma that allows a lot of these other policies to go in place. And I wish people could sort of connect those dots and realize that, oh, when I disrespect sex workers, that is contributing to a culture that disrespects sex workers. Uh, The same way we talk about things like uh, homophobia and transphobia and misogyny and racism and ableism and things like that when your first default is to go to insult someone because of their race or because they're a woman or because they're queer you are feeding into the social systems that allow those people to be treated like second-class citizens same exact thing happens with sex work stigma and i wish people would be really mindful of that um with how they address sex workers
0: Now, I remember back in my much, much earlier days of podcasting, Mm -hmm. which was so long ago, uh, the word 20 was in my age, a long time ago. And I remember seeing a meme before I even knew the word meme, right? It was like funny pictures with a message on them, (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, fucking did not have a language for it. And it was one where it was like, uh, as a sex worker, what people think my life is like versus what my life is actually like. Right. And it was something like the first image, you know, it looks like just, you know, pure wacky socialness, you know, something sort of over the top. And then the other one also over the top because it's a cartoon, but it's just like a person at a desk overwhelmed with paperwork, mm. which um, <clears throat> I think I saw that right around the same time, like within the same month at least of hearing like the word client as opposed to the word John for a person that visits a sex worker. And you're like, huh? If you have a number of clients and a schedule, you have to keep that shit organized. Mm -hmm. And it's like, and then I look at my little fucking planner book and I have, Oh, I scheduled this person in for studio time at $10 an hour on Saturday and then I got to go work an overtime shift early on Monday. We're all scheduling and working. Yep. It's scheduling and what? Working. working. Yes. It's sex work, yes. and it's actually boring. Um, <laughs> the, it, like I would uh, come at it like, and again, you you may think, what? How can I be boring? It's sex. It's like I'll tell you what. Before I used a Skyjack, I thought that was ridiculous. Like, how could... (laughs) After I put in, like, about a thousand or so hours on a Skyjack, I'm like, let's do the mundane, boring thing again, right? Like, work, work. Mm-hmm. It's work. I, I know I should be speaking in more complete sentences and not frustrated, broken sentences. <laughs>
1: no, I think the it's work is actually, like, a really valid point because people don't think of sex work as work because there's this idea that, like, for some people, sex is supposed to be the sacred thing. It can't be work, which is a weird take. Right, okay. but then the
0: same people that want it sacred don't want it sacred. So also, you're dealing with a, a, an inconsistency, an ideological inconsistency that inconsistency that is ingrained And we're going to come here. We're flying at it pretty fast. Mm -hmm. Sorry. And I don't say sorry very often. (laughs) It's from misogyny Mm -hmm. that you can't get your brain around the fact that you actually don't take sex serious until a woman is very much so benefiting from it. Yes. Yes. Then all of a sudden you're like, oh, whoa, 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 whoa. Hey, did Jesus approve of this? (laughs)
1: Yeah, um, shit, I would... Well, we might have to pause it so I can find the quote now. Hmm. Um, But I do, have a, I do have a quote about that where basically someone is making that same argument and arguing that the reason that sex workers are so heavily penalized is because they are subverting capitalism, in a sense, because they are, for the most part, women or otherwise, um, like, marginalized identities, right? So we have, like I mentioned earlier, we have, like, gay men, trans men, you know, um, non-binary people, right? So people who... um are not cis men, oftentimes, not cis hetero men on the gender spectrum. Yeah. And they're making money outside of conventional ways. And, like, that's really a problem. Yeah. (laughs) And so ultimately what happens is you get arrested, you go do labor, right? So you labor while you're incarcerated. So you're now adding to the prison slave uh, labor industry. But then also you're getting fined. So, like, they're taking the money back from you and putting it back in circulation among men where it's supposed to be.
0: And I'm thinking also, like, um, as a person that might be considered a lefty, what you're saying is similar to, uh, to what I used to say to try to get um, other folks on board with this, where people that are like, yeah, I'm not afraid of the word socialism and shit like that. You mm-hmm. know, they're just coming around, you know, from the, you know, the sort of basic uh, Obama liberal area. And let's. Mm-hmm pull you a little more left, which is much easier after Occupy Wall Street. Thank yes, you. Yes. Uh, after Occupy, man, the the, the catapult, the propaganda, Yeah, you know, but I would bring them in uh, with the, um, you know why capitalism, right? Let's not even point to individual people. Like look at capitalism as if it is a sentient being. Mm-hmm. Capitalism hates the sex worker because they inherently own the means of production. And that at the same time, that same argument takes a poopy crap on the (laughs) argument that they're selling their bodies. Mm -hmm. Nope. They leave with the same means of production they showed up with. Yeah, that's a problem.
1: And I think it's also a problem, too, is that um, typically in society, because we do have a lot of misogyny in the society we live in, and women are not afforded um, the same opportunities to get ahead and to succeed. And so one of the big things with sex work is, um, like especially now in the OnlyFans era, do you know how many children are going to benefit from generational wealth because their mothers were sex workers? Like, there is an entire generation of kids who are going to grow up not in poverty and possibly with their mothers being homeowners because their mother were se- mothers were sex workers.
0: And you know what? And people
1: are really fucking pissed about that.
0: And we're not all the way there yet, but um, coming from, you know, with gangsters and gangster rap, you know, moving into the culture of America in the 90s, Mm -hmm. with generation x we have more and more people that just openly be like oh yeah my mom my mama did what she had to do to get the money Mm -hmm. and in that same 90s we saw movies like forrest gump where she went and serviced the dean or principal of the school to Mm -hmm. get him enrolled in the school Mm -hmm. and it's more and more and it's like and then look what forrest did yeah forrest had her living big yep and it's just like and what now and that's going to increase people wanting to stigmatize as they see that. Yes. Right? Like, I always see fam, um, like, in a, in a body, in a, uh, a sociological, a, a, ma- a macro body that is built on oppression, where people fight oppression, the white blood cells of fascism of that body come to attack that virus of, uh, of self determination, if yes. you will.
1: Yes, definitely. No, I absolutely agree with that. And it's really upsetting that I think a lot of people who don't like sex workers for finding ways to make money are all, also oftentimes the same people who um, you know, like you'll see a post on social media of someone being like, "I just had to work like 4 15-hour days in a row. I'm exhausted." And then like there's always some asshole that comes to be like, "I did it for 7 days in a row and I'm proud of the work I do." And it's like, "Don't don't be that person. Don't be that person." <laughs> But there really is anger at the idea that someone can work fewer hours and make more money, but that we should, we all deserve that though.
0: But then the same folks, um, again, check your cognitive dissonance at the door. If you're okay with the CEO getting so much money per minute, be happy with the sex worker not even getting that much. Exactly. The sex worker ain't even getting what the fuck the board of directors is. Exactly. Like, I would see like, and I'm speculating wildly here, but like, I would see like a regular active sex worker that like has expenses right remember there's Mm -hmm. always pay to play there's always the cost to doing business yeah you know and the and there's also losses Mm -hmm. okay i'd say after tax take home because everyone's taxed one way or another after tax take home 65k that's decent year that's a good year yeah that's a good year.
1: For a lot of people, that's a good right? year. Over yeah.
0: time, you might break 90. Yeah. They're just working. Yeah. Right? It's, Jesus Christ, you know? Here comes the frustration again. Right. <laughs> no, cool. it's so
1: easy to get frustrated, though, because it is work, and it's like, why are you... But also, why are you being mad at workers? And I think that is one of the things, like, when it comes to stigma around sex work, that people understand is why people get into sex work. There's always this assumption that it's, like, easy money. But anyone anyone who says sex work is easy money has not done sex work. <laughs> <laughs> Let me tell you, because yeah. you have to like find the clients, put up your ads, figure out where you're going to advertise, which is getting harder and harder these days. The more that like there's um, internet uh, monitoring over sex workers, right? Hmm. Um, you know, and then what services you do, and then like a lot of sex workers, um, you know, they do like their own photo shoots. A lot of them do multiple things, like so they'll be high end escorts or they'll do porn, but they also have an OnlyFans, or they you can also get them on um, you know, websites where they sell clips, or you can text them for a fee. Like you can do sexting and exchange pictures, right? So like they all already it's like a bunch of sex workers already have like two, three, four jobs <laughs> like within the sex work realm itself, you know, and Then you've got to do your advertising and keep your website up and get your clothes together. Like a lot of clients have like a preference for certain types of outfits or certain types of activities. And then if you're doing something that's like extra complex, like, you know, like some BDSM stuff, you have to have like a wall full of floggers. And then you have to have your first aid kit in case there's an accident. And like you can (laughs) spend a lot of time and money um, doing sex work and people don't appreciate that as work. Uh, I did find the quote that I was uh, referencing earlier, though, and I just want to read it because I think about this. This is from Anne McClintock in a book called Screwing the System. Anne McClintock. Yeah, and it says, The prostitution trial is not only a regime of truth for demonstrating the proper circulation of money and property, but also a technology of violence, setting in motion the violent constraints of women's bodies, floggings, dunkings, jail, exile. The institution of the fine services serves the purpose of restoring the economic exchange subverted by the prostitute. If the prostitute makes the judge pay for her sexual services that she should offer for free, then by fining the prostitute, the judge returns illicit female money back into male circulation. Yeah, it's like a big mouthful, but um, that really is sort of like the vibe. And people think that sex workers simply do not like deserve to survive. But I also think a big part of that is not understanding why people get into sex work. And the answer is a lot of sex workers have to do it because they don't have other options. Like, I think we all know that the society will grate you to death. Like it will grind your bones into dust and just like not give a shit, right? But here's the thing, what happens if you have a chronic illness or you're a caregiver from someone with a chronic illness and you can't work nine to five or you can't work uh, even customer service hours, right? Was it, I remember when I was uh, waitressing and stuff, it would be like, okay, today you're opening, tomorrow you're closing. This, you're off on Wednesday in the middle of the week for no motherfucking reason. Oh,
0: yeah. Like, uh, like 13 years ago, uh, this guy named Joseph Rogan did a decent podcast about 13 years ago. I don't know what happened after that. And uh, they had on an individual that was a cleanup person. You know, they put mm-hmm. on the whole hazmat suit and they do the whole business. Mm. And they got a job on this program called Hoarders, mm. which seems relatively exploitative. I don't really know what's going on there. Someone else talk about it that's smarter than me. Uh, but fucking, they, go, they work on that program. And because of that, you know, uh, Joe Rogan was able to get in contact with him again. This is pre this level of fame, Joe Rogan. Yeah. He actually, at this point in time, he wasn't even bald yet. Mm. Still had hair. Uh, and, um, and that cat said, uh, when they were really down, and you know, this is not going to be all sex workers, but this is life where they couldn't really make money anyway and they had a heroin addiction to cater to, mm-hmm. uh, to service, you know, keep you from getting sick because mm-hmm. when you don't use heroin, you get sick. And you get dope sick, And it yeah. was like, he really considered just kind of going out there and just seeing if there was somebody that wanted a sexual service from mm-hmm. a, a cis man. Yeah. You know, and like, uh, uh, ultimately said on the program they didn't do it, but like, that was became a logical consideration. Absolutely. Not like a sort of like, oh, no, but just kind of like, if I go do this, I can go get my stuff.
1: Yeah. 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 And I think that really is the thought process for a lot of people because our society is so exclusionary, you know, because we talk about ableism and stuff all the time, but we don't really talk about what that means, like, every day in practice, right? Or we talk about, like, low wages and, you know, oh, daycare costs too much money, right? We all know that. Like, everyone, I mean, aside from, like, the most dishonest right-wingers among us, like, I'm pretty sure that, like, 85% of the country would agree that daycare expenses are wild. You yes. Know? But here's the thing. There's never a conversation. So what do you do when you don't make enough money at your regular job to afford those services, but you still have to be at work?
0: Yeah. May I do the tangent now? I mean, not even the tangent, but let's just shift. Let's go where it needs to go now. Yes. Right? Because we know it's not even what you're getting at. You're already there. Right? And it's what we keep saying life costs money in this system. Yes. And so let's say you're somebody who's just coming over here and you're like, what's this talk of sex workers' rights? Why is that? Why should I be in favor of that? I say look at some of the folks arguing against it and then also look at the culture around everything Mm -hmm. and particularly where men in capitalism sit. Mm -hmm. Right? And men that might want sex work criminalized are going to be in positions where they can exploit women for, as we said, hours at work at the McDonald's, Mm -hmm. right, uh, to keep being the secretary at this office, Mm -hmm. you know, which is a a low-level position, right? Just because it's an office job doesn't mean it's a six-figure job, right? right? The secretary and the McDonald's worker are in the same class. They both get um, an an earned income tax credit. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? And, of course, those men don't want them to be able to go and do legal sex work Mm -hmm. and fucking negotiate and charge at will. Mm -hmm. And then, if it's really decriminalized, if you harm that sex worker, Mm -hmm. she can go to the police now and not get arrested when she reports you.
1: Yes, which actually there was a case of that happening not that long ago in New Zealand. uh, Because New Zealand is, like, one of the only places where sex work is decriminalized. Also note, we will get into it um, in a future segment. There is a difference between decriminalizing and legalizing. Yeah. World of difference. They're not the same thing. Please don't ever conflate those terms. And I will explain later why they're different. But um, bearing that in mind, New Zealand does have it decriminalized. And that is a thing. A sex worker actually sued her employer. She worked at a brothel and sued her employer for sexual harassment and won. Banged. You can't do that. If nope. <laughs> it's not decriminalized. You can't. You can't do that under the Nordic model. You can't do it under a full criminalization model. You just can't.
0: Yeah, because it's uh, it's self-incrimination. Exactly. Like, there is no way. You can't get to the Fifth Amendment around that one Mm -hmm. because you have to tell them what you were doing when this man hurt you. Exactly. Harmed you, you know, transgressed you.
1: And that is really, like, an unfortunate thing for me, the way that sex workers are maligned oftentimes from leftist spaces um, and working like organizing spaces because a lot of state surveillance comes down because of sex workers Because as you see, uh, we'll talk about it more, of course, but as we talk about media literacy, but when you're reading all these stories about like, oh, there was a sex trafficking sting, or we have to fund uh, sex trafficking um, prevention measures, or there's so many children being sex trafficked right now. All those things lead to people being willing to give up their civil rights and allow more surveillance. That's how you're seeing now like these um, porn bans, right? So uh, I think Arizona right now, it's past the House. They're trying to pass a bill where you have to show a legal ID to log on to a website to use porn. And
0: Louisiana
1: as well? Uh, Louisiana and also Utah and, I believe, Mississippi. There's like six states doing it right now. Yeah, but uh, Arizona just has gotten a little further than the rest of them. But, yeah, um, you know, that whole sort of thing. And, uh, you know, it really, um, you know, shifts the conversation when you look at it in those terms, I think.
0: Yeah. You
1: know, and so, yeah, that, that, that's a, it's a problem.
0: I hate it. I hate <laughs> yes.
1: it. It's so frustrating. Because it's, so, it's just like, why don't you want sex workers to just have rights? Because there's literally nothing that you can say where denying sex workers' rights will help your argument unless your argument is, I hate them and want them to suffer. But no one will ever just say that. Because you want to stop human trafficking? You know what can help stop human trafficking? Being able to report the person who trafficked you without having to go to prison. Sex worker rights. Yeah. You know know what helps um, sex workers not get abused by clients being able to report publicly when something bad happens to them? But you can't because it's criminalized. Sex worker rights. Uh, Less government surveillance in general on working class and oftentimes non-white neighborhoods. Sex worker rights.
0: Yeah, and if you're a cis-hetero woman and everything that's behind what you're saying ultimately comes down to... And again, if you're a cis-hetero woman, y'all this class of folks specifically if you don't want your guy dipping out on you with sex workers and you think that's the problem he's cheating on you anyway if you already suspect that he'll do that then you need to get tested for an std and leave him now your suspicions are probably right Mm -hmm. he's a man
1: but also like because you have suspicions you're gonna hurt other people Like, that's a problem in your household. Why are you making it, like, a a problem for, like, a bunch of people on either, you know, like, citywide, countywide, statewide, or federal levels? Like, why the fuck should we pass a federal policy that's hurting sex workers in Arizona because fucking Jim in Madison, Wisconsin, is cheating on Katie? I I
0: said he's a man. That was the frustration again. He's... (laughs) He's a man that you happen to be suspicious of. Trust your intuitions, love. Trust your intuitions, yes. There you go. Three syllables on you.
1: (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, that really is a thing, and it's very frustrating. And also, I don't think people realize, um, you know, especially with cis-hetero women, how much uh, sex workers' rights help them as well. Like, a big thing that was happening a couple years ago was with the stop and frisk in New York. And typically, when we talk about stop and frisk in police, we usually talk about um, men, usually black men, Latino men. They're... uh, highly, uh, very likely to be stopped by police for no motherfucking reason. We all know that. But another thing that was happening was the too many condoms, right? Where police could stop you as a woman, not a sex worker, as a woman, and say you're wearing something risque. I bet you do sex work. And if you have a condom on you because you are trying to engage in responsible, safer sex practices, that condom was then used as evidence that you were a sex worker. And some of the things that women were actually stopped for, wearing tight leather pants, Wearing a miniskirt, wearing a low-cut top, wearing high heels, none of those things are sex worker-specific. So, yeah, um, cis-hetero women who don't do sex work and sort of have an attitude about sex workers or think you're better, if you can get stopped wearing your club clothes and be charged with a sex worker charge, you're not safe either, okay? We're all in this together, for real, because yeah. the underlying thing is oftentimes misogyny, classism, and racism. And just because you're not a sex worker, if you're still a woman, you still deal with misogyny just because you're not a sex worker. If you're not white, you're still dealing with the racism. Like we're all in it together. I swear.
0: <laughs> yeah, I am. Um, and what Phoenix Collider is talking about. I, um, I initially learned that by journalism from guess whom, janet mock ah yes so you can imagine the level of sjw that i flew to at what pace <laughs> right like i'm looking at shit about sex workers rights by a black trans woman that is an editor for people magazine at the time i think it was i don't remember where yeah mm-hmm. I, yeah i think she was editing for people and she was um in a uh in a relationship okay. with uh with aaron treadwell who uh didn't really seem to be the most constructive brother, but I'm not here to diss folks. Mm-hmm. You know, he was probably a nice, light-skinned man. <laughs> good haircut, nice <laughs> nice flat top.
1: Aww. I'm only
0: dissing the flat top. You hate flat tops, man. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I remember Janet Mock writing about that, and um, I want to refresh myself. If that was in that article or another one, I'll definitely be taking a look. Um, that there was also, you could be arrested for if the police, um, stopped you and you were in within a certain amount of yards of someone that had been convicted of sex work. Yes. Yeah. Something like you've Mm -hmm. read material like Mm -hmm. that. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. You're bringing it back for me.
1: Yeah. Because that's actually a get around to what I was mentioning earlier. Like the stereotype that all sex workers have pimps. A lot of sex workers do not have pimps. What they actually have is like a micro community of other sex workers. Hmm. And so, uh, but of course, society in and of itself, for the most part, does not want sex workers to be safe. So anytime sex workers start getting together to sort of work as a team, that's when you start seeing policy that's anti-sex worker. So that's why you have this. You can't be standing next to somebody who's convicted of sex work. This is also why we have um, like brothel keeping laws, right? Like allegedly brothel keeping laws are designed to stop Um, you know, like abusive pimps, managers, madams, right, whatever racist ass terminology they're using these days and laws, which, God, the term pimp is so racist. We'll get into that one too later. But um, Mm -hmm. so many things to get into. (laughs) But um, that is a thing, like with the brothel keeping laws, the idea was so that someone couldn't come in, put, you know, some women in a house and say, you're not allowed to leave, you have to do sex work. In reality, the way it's being applied against sex workers is it's actually just, you know, for example, like, two women who are roommates and happen to do sex work out of their house because they both do sex work so what's actually safer because then you can have okay i'll stay in my room you bring your client over and if i hear anything i can come out and help you
0: and let me note um i was not a sex worker myself uh, when i was uh, 19 i was uh, a local rapper that was how i paid my bills but i assisted uh, sex workers and i was that person for about six hours a day, I would uh, post up in the back room with the with the uh, you know the Second Amendment freedom protector, and um, and while the uh, sex worker was with a client, I would sit back in case I had to protect her freedom. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was, so um, I am very directly familiar with that. Yes. And they taught me how to play poker.
1: Heck yeah, because poker's yes. are
0: awesome. Yeah.
1: But, you know, those sort of things. And so now we have, like, these laws that are, you know, allegedly to prevent trafficking, but then how is it being implemented? Right? It's not letting sex workers work out of the same location together for safety reasons. So that's kind of
0: a mess in and of itself. And now I forgot how I went on that tangent about bad policies. That, 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 that's, that's all right. <laughs> because ultimately, like, I want I, I want folks to see what we're doing here, right? Because um, we've done Swapcast. But, you know, podcasts are not as big as YouTube, so we're pushing more YouTube, Mm -hmm. and this will be the first episode going up on it. And, like, Phoenix Collider has been writing about this, talking about this, being interviewed here and there, so many discussion panels that really, if you just set it up, just be like, hey, pumpkin spice Milano's, Phoenix Collider's going to be like, and that's the problem with the Nordic model, and just start going (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and so it's easy. Just set it up, you know, and, and Phoenix Collider knows what to do and I know how to produce. Right. So as you can see, if you can see in the background of the camera, we set up our little studio in the basement and we will bring you this programming. I will move that tool chest to put some cooler <laughs> there. Maybe a, a plant that doesn't need a lot of sunlight. Find oh. one of those.
1: Ooh, we could grow rhubarb down here.
0: Let's hey, let's get to rhubarbing. Yeah. All right, so you'll you'll see some rhubarbs and you'll hear some sex work talk. Yes. I think this was good material. We recorded some other material for our outside programming, uh, but this is the Swapcast program. Yes,
1: and if people do have questions, drop them in the comments. I would love to answer questions.
0: Yeah, yeah, and and at this point, we are small enough that we can check the comments. Yeah, if we ever get like one of those pages that's too big, you know, the comments are inaccessible now. And then you're just kind of skimming the comments, <laughs> right. like, ah, oh, yes, I am ugly and stupid. Thank you for telling me that. You're very nice. <laughs> you're it's pulling <sending> Andrew- <laughs> women
1: back a thousand years.
0: I I like that you found my time machine. Teach me how to use it, please. I
1: like my favorite one. Somebody told me that um, who was it? Maya Angelou would be disappointed in me. <laughs> I was like. You know, my Angelou did
0: sex work, though, right? I rem- again, like, <laughs> wine cellar like, media, like, about? we were one of the first podcasts <laughs> to mention that. Like, I don't want to say one of the first people, but one of the first podcasts, because like, podcast world wasn't up on it, blogger mm-hmm. world was, mm-hmm. yeah, but audio world was not. And like, other cats just didn't want to do it. And even people that would s- collaborate with us and be like, yeah, sex workers' rights, didn't want to share that because they still have what we call whore phobia, mm-hmm. which is sound. And I get it. Like, I super get it. If you're like, what, you're putting phobia on something else. Mm-hmm. But to deny the fact that Maya Angelou uh, did sex work, and be just because you think that that hurts her name mm-hmm. is an irrational, illogical fear of sex work. Phobia applies. Deal mm-hmm. with it.
1: And, I mean, honestly, like, I feel like whorephobia is a very um, accurate term in general because there is a lot of phobia around sex work if you look at the way the moral panics are, right? Because, like, if you allow people to do sex work, that increases human trafficking. What?
0: Yeah. What? And, and I'll bring it to you from a more shallow end. Let's break out of the intellectual side of things. It's so pompous to say that. <laughs> but let's break outside of that. Whorephobia, it flows. It sounds good. It does. It's easy to say. We're going to keep saying it.
1: I like horarchy. Horiar-
0: is it horarchy, horarchy or horiarchy? Horarchy. Just horarchy. I'm not good at saying that one. Yeah, horarchy. I need oh practice. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, and I, I almost keep saying the wrong thing. Uh, a swap.org, Sex Workers Outreach Project, Swap USA. Uh, this is Phoenix Kalieder. Uh Who are you with Swap?
1: Um, I, wait, did you say Swap.org? Yeah. It's SwapUSA.org.
0: SwapUSA.org. Um,
1: <laughs> yes. Uh, yes, I'm Phoenix Kalita. I am the communications director for Swap, um, one of the co-directors of Swap. We currently have two. Um, yeah. Which also, fun fact, I know um, not everyone is always up on the current events of what certain sex worker orgs are doing, but we are now officially a black-led organization. So um, through a lot of effort um, between staff, our board, and lots of friends and allies and mentors and supporters, um, SWAP is officially a black-led org now. So um, just so folks know. All right.
0: <laughs> clean, clean, clean. All right. Episode one and done.
1: I feel like we recorded for almost an hour. Was it almost an hour? Yes. Uh,
0: yeah.
1: Damn. How do we just be knowing when it's an Yeah, there you go. A little over
0: 45 minutes.